Hey y'all, this is Allison. Before we start, a reminder to sign up for the free spring cleaning course. If it's not spring, you can call it the decluttering challenge. It is a five-day challenge to declutter your home, mind, body, and soul, and it's freaking awesome. Go to aligndesigns.co, click on online courses, and it'll be the first one listed as you scroll down. This is Align Designs, the show about creating a life of ease and flow and encouraging women to be 100% authentically themselves by following their inner authority and practicing transparency and vulnerability. This is the place where you can collect all the tools to help you construct your best life through the lens of human design. Here's your host, Allison Cullen. I'm just like so freaking excited to have you on, Jen. Welcome. Oh my gosh, Allison. Thank you for having me. This is going to be a great combo today. Looking forward to it. Yes. And just so you guys know, if you want to pause the episode really quick and go to the show notes, I have Jen's Instagram linked there and you can give her a follow. She has some really great content on her Instagram. But Jen, tell us a little bit about you, just your short bio, um, how you, you know, got into being the poster mama for sober women. Well, it's an unlikely story because whoever thinks they will be right. Um, So yeah, so I just turned 50 this summer, just to give your your audience and your listeners a a grasp of the fact that I'm half a century old. And um, yeah, I, I really started on this sober minded alcohol free journey well, really long ago, but I would say in my mid forties is when I really kind of looked up for my own life. I had my head down, getting it done and looked up for my own life and thought, you know what? If I want to show up different at 50 than I did 40, I'm going to have to make some changes here and they're not going to be through a quick juice cleanse or a whole 30. I got to, I got to do some inner work here and I don't even know where to begin, but I know one habit in my life that it's turned into a pretty enslaving routine that I could begin to at least change so that I could feel physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually better would be my relationship with alcohol. Mm -hmm. And so that really was the lead domino in my life to show up differently this summer, turning 50, this big, huge milestone that I've been working for, for, well, I guess my whole life, but the last four years, I've really spent trying to become the best version of myself and live wholehearted and and less divided. And again, for me, negotiating that relationship with alcohol was a game changer. And I'd struggled with it for quite some time, just subtly, just in that gray area zone where you're kind of lukewarm and you can coast that way for, it seems like forever Mm -hmm. because nothing externally bad was happening internally. I felt like, well, maybe that's how this is. Maybe this is it, the status quo. And, uh, I woke up in my own life and here I am at 50, definitely messy and perfect life, just like it should be, but wholehearted and different than I showed up at 40. I love that so much. Your story is so relatable because you know, taking my own journey in this sober, curious movement, I you hear so many stories 
of people who had like extreme rock bottoms. And I, I know that I had definitely had rock bottoms, but it also was very similar to you because sometimes I would drink it. I mean, most of the times I would drink it, it'd be totally fine. It'd be like a glass of wine or two glasses of wine. And I would go to sleep and sleep okay. And everything would be fine. And then there was moments that it was not nice and pretty. And there was, you know, I didn't feel good the next day. And you were hungover and all the things um, and some worse moments than that. But like most of the time with sober people, there's like they always talk about this like rock bottom thing and you have to hit rock bottom before you make that really big decision to take a break or quit forever or whatever. And I just think your story is so relatable because I don't think you necessarily have to hit rock bottom to take a look at your relationship with alcohol. And that is so, so true. And I think I think it gives women permission almost to look at their relationship with drinking at any point in time. Yep. It doesn't have to be that bad. I was asking myself for years the wrong question. Is it that bad? I'm Googling, you know, am I an alcoholic when I'm yep. up at 3 a.m. with dry mouth and a headache? And I didn't really think I was in the sense that I didn't feel physically addicted. Um, I had not gotten, you know, a DUI or done anything that would signal an external force of change for me. And so I, I just knew intuitively, though, <laughs> through it all, I can't believe I could hear that small voice still letting me know that there was more, more than this. But um, yeah, I think asking the better question is not, is it bad enough, but is this good enough? Yes. That's that, a better question to be asking ourselves, I think. That gave me chills. And I think that I didn't even realize how good you could feel right. until I was almost like three months alcohol free. Um, weirdly, I don't know, like the first month or so, I sort of let myself eat whatever and I was eating a lot more sugar because you're used to consuming a lot of sugar when you're drinking wine every night. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to be easy on myself. And then once I started getting healthy and cutting most sugar out, I was like, wow, I didn't know you could feel this good. I didn't know that that was possible. You posted an article the other day about how it said moms with young kids increased drinking by 323% mm. after the start, since the start of the pandemic. And I just think that is like a thing. I've talked to a few people before because I, I tried to quit. I took several breaks before getting pregnant and after I had my baby. And of course, took like didn't drink alcohol most of the time when I was pregnant I would have like something here and there in the third trimester which now looking back on I feel guilty for but that's just <laughs> you know we live in Texas and that's like very normal down here um but I like did try to take a few breaks and I would tell people like oh I'm trying to take a break from alcohol and they're like oh girl that's like almost impossible to do when you have a young child and I'm like wait why are we saying this you know why are we and I understand being kind to other people and making sure people don't feel shame or guilt but like we're just doing this to each other right 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 it's the messaging it's the marketing it's us sharing the memes about mommy juice and rosé all day and we don't even realize sometimes that we're perpetuating it because it's it's just kind of, again, so normalized that, you know, it's what you need to parent. I mean, what else? I mean, all the, you can go to any, you know, store and see the dish towels and the tumblers that make a joke about mommy juice and the mommy wine culture. And at the end of the day, it's a really 
I think it's a really lonely place because it's difficult enough at times being a mom. It's I am a mom also. I kind of forgot to mention that in my yeah. bio up back there. Um, I've been married for, well, see, I'm old. So again, let me date myself. I've been married 26 years and have two kids in their young 20s. So back when I started my my mothering back in the mom zone, I'm in the late 90s, early 2000s. I can tell you because I was there. The the um, culture around drinking and moms was different, and it yes. has drastically, drastically changed. And um, I do think it's even more of a challenge now for moms when you're showing up to the park or a play date, and someone's got their Yeti, and it's 4 p.m. and that's okay, it's close enough. You know, it's just, it's a whole different vibe. And I think knowing that is empowering almost as we begin to say, okay, well, what can we do about that to, to have a little bit more option and empowerment and that that's really not normal to, uh, to drink every day or drink throughout the evening, most evenings. Mm-hmm. Our body's not really designed for that. And I had made it where I just, I thought, well, I just need to get better at, at doing it if I'm going to do it. Yeah. I mean, that's totally true. I'm, I'm turning 38 and I remember my parents, you know, every once in a while on the weekends, they, we would get together with neighbors and they would drink a little bit, but it was never a thing where it was like, okay, five o'clock cocktail hour. Like we didn't have, I mean, there was an alcohol cabinet in our house, but I hardly, until I was in high school, I didn't see my parents open that really. And it just wasn't a prevalent thing. And now it's really a prevalent thing. So that's why in having my child, I was like, okay, whoa, she's going to watch what I'm doing. And I didn't even have this conditioning growing up. Like my parents didn't drink daily growing up. So if I'm drinking daily and I didn't grow up with that, like what's she going to be like? So it's just this crazy thing that we don't, we don't even, it's such subliminal messaging and like conditioning and things that we it's so in our subconscious it's stuff that we don't realize i did a little experiment well i guess a couple of years ago now but i i was just so blown away when my mindset started changing about alcohol i knew i couldn't change alcohol or the industry but i could change me in the way i looked at it so i began doing work from the inside out and as I started to grow and learn and just understanding the science behind it and what just what was going on, I would walk into, let's say, a Target, for example, and I would be blown away that right when you walk in, boom, there it is. Yep. Then you'd turn and you'd head towards the blueberries, boom, there it is, Prosecco. You're in the meat section, there's the red wine. You know, it was on every end cap and I counted one day in my local Target here in Texas as well and there were 26 points of purchase for alcohol. That means 26 different places separate from the other in which to buy alcohol in that store. Wow. And the snack bar that I used to take my kids to back when they were little, again, you know, early to mid 2000s, where we got our ICs and our popcorn had turned into the wine and beer store as well as the other aisles. And again, you know, that's, that is the nature of the beast. This is a society cultural issue. And so for me, when I was first changing kind of my relationship with drinking, I would walk in and I would feel so overwhelmed. 
And then I kind of went through the anger phase where I was like, get it out of my face. This is just off the charts, just, oh my gosh. And now I walk in and I just go, you know what? I see it, I see it for, for what it is. And my desire for it has changed because I've devalued it. Mm-hmm. I've taken its value out of my life. And at one point its value to me was really high. And it takes time for that. I talk to, I have a lot of friends who are sober and most of them have been like, really the first year is the hardest as far as the cravings and urges and also like being angry and being on your high horse about all this stuff, being like, all you people are so stupid. Like, I don't want to be that way. Uh, (laughs) And I love you because you're so like, your demeanor is so the way that I want to be, but it's it that this first year hasn't, it's been way easier than I thought it was going to be for sure. But there's been aspects that are, that are a little bit difficult in that way where you're just like, I'm, I feel like I'm so angry because I'm so bombarded by this all the time. Right. It's almost one of the stages of grief as well, which is a whole nother topic is kind of almost grieving the relationship that you once thought you had, but then it's almost like a bad boyfriend or something. You realize, oh, they're not all they're cracked up to be, but you still have to kind of grieve the death of a dream or what you thought it could be. And I I thought I could work out and drink kale and do all my green juice and do all my things by day and have my own little party at night. I thought I could do that. So I had to let that go because that wasn't a reality. That wasn't really working for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had a few followers on Instagram p- submit questions for you. If you're okay with me asking a few of those questions. Okay. So, um, one gal said she's about 220 days into her sober journey. She says, I have noticed my thoughts surround how to be sober around friends and family who are not. How do people navigate a summer day on a beach when everyone else and their mother is casually drinking all day long? (laughs) Oh, great question. And first off, congratulations out there for 220 days. Uh, Kudos to you. That is awesome. You know, I think for me being in that scenario myself so many times and having some practice at it now, that's step one is just realizing this is going to take some practice. You know, we didn't show up here in one day, uh, having had that relationship with drinking and just the world that we live in. So it's going to take more days to unravel. So good job on 220 days of practice. But I think for me, even at this point, how, you know, at this point in time, I'm a little over four years alcohol-free, it's still going back to the basics of knowing my why, knowing why I am choosing a different lifestyle for me, not for others. I'm not out there with my sober sis, you know, hat on, beating my drum. I'm just choosing what's best for me and and owning that and standing in my power as I stand in my why. Why am I doing this? And I think that's where a lot of the deeper work comes in, especially that first year. So I would encourage you to, to really focus on your why and uh, what you've gained, not what you've lost, because you've gained so much more than that temporary feeling. And yeah. another thing too is I've, I've really, and this is a lot of what I teach through um, my coaching with SoberSys, is to really have a sober-minded tool belt, if you will, like a toolbox. Mm-hmm. So I've got all kinds of tools in there I can pull out, like how to surf an urge, how to play the movie forward, how to pre-plan and pre-decide. So I'm not like trying to wing it when I get there. 
I think that's helped yeah. a ton. And then I, I think the the real secret sauce to anyone's longevity and having success, being alcohol free in a very alcohol centric world is good connection, having yeah. connections with other like-minded people who are on the same journey. I think that's so important. And one, one thing I remember my first week being alcohol free, I remember I was planning on going to a concert with some of my friends and I was so nervous because I knew all of them would be drinking and that I wasn't going to. And so I just pre-planned. I was like, okay, I'm going to have like sparkling water or whatever and that'll be fine. But like I had so much more fun than I thought I was going to because A, I was doing something I enjoyed and B, I was around people even though they drink. They're not like crazy drink. They weren't like getting drunk and being right. crazy um, or annoying or anything. And they were people that I genuinely enjoy being around. So being sober has taught me to only surround myself with people I really want to hang out with. I love that. I love that because you're really getting the feedback that you need if something's actually fun or not. You know, back when we yeah. were drinking, we, we didn't really know if something was fun. We just knew that we were drinking and that kind of blurred the lines of reality. So we can really see, was it, was it fun or not fun? Are these people lame? Are they my real friends? What's happening? And now being present in our own lives, we have at least that lens of reality. And you know, when you're having fun, you can <laughs> definitely have a blast being all there. And that's a huge thing that I was just scared. It wasn't going to be like doing things wasn't going to be fun anymore. But then I yeah. look back on when I was in, I didn't start drinking till like uh, the end of my senior year of high school. So I had all of like junior high and high school that I didn't yeah. drink and I had so much fun, you know, and it's just going back to that time to know that it's possible. It's possible, but I agree with you. I think the fear is real because we have outsourced so much to alcohol that we almost second guess our experience without it. And that's normal. I think that's so, I felt that way too, just totally normal to feel like, man, I don't know, I'm going to go for it, but it's uncomfortable for a minute. But then you realize, oh, wait, oh, wait, I've, I've made this out to be different than it really is. It's, it's not only not that bad, I'm actually thriving in this, not just surviving it. One thing that you touched on earlier was like that still small, that small, still God voice, you know, that yeah. your intuition inside of you. And one of um, one of the other questions we got was how long did you know in your heart that you should quit before you actually quit? Yeah, oh, such a good question. And I think I think your your listeners will identify with this because by the time I quit, I'd been trying to quit and wrestling with this for years, I'm going to say close to a decade, mm -hmm. but five years concerted effort, mm -hmm. five years, really knowing deep down that this was not God's best for me, knowing, mm -hmm. but not knowing how to get unstuck, not knowing how to get out of the trap that I call it the vino fly trap. Mm -hmm. I was like, it got, I'm in, I don't know how to get out, but I, I think I can still fly out. I'm not that trap, meaning you know, I still have a choice here. I'm not so dependent on the physical aspect that I can't make a choice, but oh my gosh, mentally, emotionally, it, it felt that way for years. And I would take breaks. I would go for weeks sometimes without drinking, even months. And I was like, I got this. So let's celebrate with just drinking a little bit. Let's moderate. 
And again, I could do that for a while. Women ask me all the time, Jen, what do you think about moderation? Can, could you moderate alcohol? Why did you, why did you have to drink so much? Why did it have to be a problem? And I always say, well, I could moderate until I couldn't. Yeah. It was the 80, 20 rule. I was, I felt kind of this false sense of security and that I was in control about, you know, 70, 80% of the time, meaning, okay, I'm pre-deciding I'm drinking tonight. Okay. I drink what I said I would two, three, four, I don't know. But then that 20% of the time, like you mentioned earlier, it just bit me. And so yeah, age 40 to 45 for me were the challenging years I was raising. Um, our oldest at the time was 13 when I turned 40. And so game on with the hormones, the anxiety of parenting a teenager and all that comes with that. And, and there it was again, you know, alcohol was just kind of teed up and ready in my life as something in my toolbox. It was literally part of what was in my like coping with life toolbox. And it started out where it was a tool that I would just rely on socially. And then it was a tool that I relied on to connect with my husband. Then it became a tool that I relied on to have an activity to Mm -hmm. do with my friends and my husband. Then I used it as a tool to take the edge off while I'm cooking dinner at five with no one in the kitchen but me. Mm-hmm. And you can see how I kept pulling out the tool till pretty soon I looked in my toolbox and I'm like, oh, bummer. It's one of the tools I use the most. In fact, it is the tool I'm reaching for when I'm bored, stressed, lonely, tired, or even happy and celebrating. It's the tool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember when I first stopped drinking I really put together cooking with drinking wine. I'm like you, wine was my drink of choice. I really, like if wine didn't exist, I don't think I would have had a problem. Or, like yeah. at all. Like I really, just the taste of wine is like heaven to me. And I hope yeah. that, that would change at some point. Anyways, um, but I connected cooking with drinking. And so for the first few months of not drinking, I had to like, be like, we're having frozen pizza tonight because I'm not doing this. I totally get that. (laughs) Cut that cord. And now I'm, I mean, it's taken nine months, but now I'm finally learning how to enjoy cooking again without having a glass of wine in my hand. Or I'll like, you know, I'll put a sparkling water with some pomegranate juice in a wine glass and that's freaking fine for me. Right, right. But I hear you. That was, that was my highest triggering time and where I had the biggest part of my routine. And that's where I would begin the bottle breakdown. Yeah. That it, it was the five o'clock bewitching hour, wine o'clock. Is it five o'clock yet? I would kind of wait, pace myself throughout the day, you know, well, that's okay. It'll be five o'clock. And I, even that morning, I didn't think I would drink that night. It was not yeah. my intention. And yeah. so about 3 p.m., a little bit of low blood sugar, the picking up the kids, starting to get a little stressful. Oh, man, you know, I'm making the, like I said, the Target grocery store run while I'm hungry, tired. And, you know, I've had to flip, I had to flip flop my schedule around when I even ran my errands mm-hmm. so that I wasn't in a store when I was most susceptible and almost vulnerable yeah. to it all and, and move some things around to take a walk you know, move, move things around. I had to, for a while, put things before that be like, you know, in, in my trying to quit drinking, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to do this before I drink. And that was helpful. It was a, it was a slower process, but it did help. Um, and it still helps me with like, you know, the urge surfing and, 
and all that kind of stuff and helping to not transfer that habit into something else because people can get addicted to being sober and that's all they talk about and that's all their life is about. You know what I mean? like, and you do a great job of of you know living life and that not being your only thing okay a couple of final questions for you so what are some of the main benefits you've seen the past few years living an alcohol-free lifestyle you know the biggest thing is just having my my presence back my my sense of um just knowing what's going on i feel like the my biggest benefit is being uh sober-minded and let me define that because i i kind of i kind of use a little bit of different language mm-hmm. um i don't even really say i'm sober i yeah. say i'm sober-minded and to me yes. that means like awake alive alert in your own life and so for me my presence my sense of just being all there is like my superpower. Even when things are difficult, I still feel better than when they were difficult and I just ejected out of the situation. The health benefits, oh my goodness, are just numerous. I mean, I could just, uh, um, dropping my readers. I could go into so many health benefits that I've gotten um, from just sleeping better, better skin, less anxiety, or a little bit. <laughs> little bit of hormonal balance all those things and then just relationally speaking oh my gosh that's probably where I've really felt that again that presence where um when I stopped drinking my children were in high school they were 16 and 18 Mm -hmm. when I stopped drinking so they really got to see that mom back in the evenings they had the great mom during the day and again it wasn't like I was this drunk lush crazy mom in the evenings I just was less there I just played small I just played small in my own life and I played quite honestly I played small in my own family I didn't want to get my feelings hurt I didn't want to get into conflict so I'd kind of hide behind a, a glass or three of wine and it would just kind of be like my shield like you can't get to me you can't hurt me you can't frazzle me in fact you don't even get me and I didn't realize how much I was doing that so for me to let myself be seen and known and engaged with my kids um, at all times of the evening and night opened up conversations with both of those sweet people now in my life that are in this new zone that have uh, increased so much of a deeper relationship. And with my husband, you know, this has been a huge journey for us because he was my drinking buddy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's my drinking partner and he is a, a spouse that still drinks mm-hmm. ill and which is totally fine, but boy, we have had to really navigate our relationship and it has improved our communication so much because yeah. now I'm not bringing in the layer of, um, you know, shame, frustration, losing my filter, yeah. all the things. So it, it has been, it has been such a, again, such a big decision that was positive for me. And I think if anybody's been drinking, even if they don't drink daily, but they're like a moderate or regular drinker, if they've been drinking for more than two or three years, all of the, what you talk about sober minded, like it's, it's like my brain got an extra, like lots of extra downloads. It's my intuition (laughs) is sharper I'm able to not react to things and respond instead. I'm not perfect at this, but like 
me and my husband's relationship has improved 5,000% in the past nine months. We, it, it was not okay for a while. And it wasn't just because of alcohol, but that made me not be able to repair lots of things and not be able to access my best self and intuition. And I just can't even imagine what, wh- where we'd be right now, <laughs> considering how 2021 has gone so far just in the world, if I wouldn't have stopped if I wouldn't have taken this break, you know? Yep. Oh, ditto. Ditto. I often think about that. And uh, yeah, it's pretty big. It's a pretty big deal. And I, you know, I know again, so many women out there have, have been struggling and then 2020 happened and the struggle just got deeper. It got more real. Um, And I just, I just want to so encourage women today. If you're listening out there that there really is great hope. There really is kind of a way out of feeling that, enslavement and that mental tug of war inside. Um, and it may not be totally being alcohol free for you, maybe drinking less. I have found that not drinking at all is easier than just trying to drink less personally. That's just my take on it. But I think it's about a journey. I think it's about discovering versus black and white and all or nothing. I think this is more fluid and I think it's more of a discovery. And I know that your audience is all about that, you know, all about getting in touch with that intuitive side and listening. And I love what you said about downloads. I've gotten a tremendous amount of downloads. That's what I call it when God speaks to me. It's it's literally a download. I'm like, wow, that was a thought I could not have thought by myself. Wow, yeah. I couldn't have even heard that before. Yeah, it's like it's the magic turns on. And it's yeah. not like everything's perfect, but there's something that magical that every one of us has but if you're drinking daily you don't have access you don't like don't have the key to it almost for for me that's how it was yep i so agree with that let's do one last quick question what (laughs) are your favorite non-alcoholic drinks that are part Uh, of your tool belt yes that has been key for me especially at the beginning less so now although now there's so many options i just i mean i give fridge tours now (laughs) just to say look at what is possible so it's actually hard for me to narrow it down because i feel like i have so many tasty glamorous fun rewarding and even healthy options not just even options that are neutral but options that actually are helping me I'm like, wow, who knew? Who knew that I could actually drink something that would help me at five o'clock, nine o'clock? But, you know, some of my easy go-tos that uh, are just ready to go, pre-mixed, pre-made. I love mingle mocktails. Um, I love everything that Groovy's done. They have a good uh, NA, non-alcoholic beer, as well as their dry seco, their rosé, and they just came out with a red blend. It is so good. I'm currently drinking a Hoplark hop tea right now. That's love hop tea. And then I just yeah. recently last year discovered H2O soft seltzer, which is a seltzer out of California, actually made at a winery where they take the alcohol out, the actual ethanol, and they've made a seltzer with the wine grape in it, but without the ethanol. And so those are just off the top of my head, some of my favorites and definitely on my Instagram. I am showing these products. I have promo codes pretty much with all of those companies and uh, and just want to get the word out. There are so many options that are easy to take to events, have in your own refrigerator. And 
if you are cooking and you do want something in your glass, you can. I love it. Jen, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to um, chat with us and, and let my listeners hear your story. I know that you're a huge role model and expander for so many people. And I just hope that people are able to listen to what we said and know that you, you know, you come with all this information with like no shame or judgment. And as again, as you said, no need to say, okay, I'm going to do this and never drink again, but like try the 21 day reset, like try the 21 day break and see what magic comes, comes into your life. And then at the end of that, either keep drinking and pick your next 21 days or see how you feel like that. Just, right. just, I so appreciate you sharing your wisdom and your story with us. And definitely you guys take a look at the show notes and Jen's going to put her information there. You can sign up for her 21 day um, challenge or just follow her on Instagram and feel free to DM her with any questions that you might have about the sober curious movement. You bet. Thank you so much for having me, Allison. Thanks for listening. For more Align Designs and to connect with Allison, go to aligndesigns.co. A production of the Sound Off Media Company. Hi, I'm Marla Barr, the host of Your Wellness Journey, a podcast all about self-care, nutrition, and physical and emotional wellness. I'll teach you all about owning your wellness and understanding your personal healing journeys. Every week, you'll hear on how to conquer your mind-body obstacles and understanding your gifts. Subscribe or follow to Your Wellness Journey in all the places you would expect to find a podcast.